life is a series of cycles, seasons, and rhythmic patterns. Rhythmicity is the most basic force of nature. So every day when the sun comes up, we work. It's what we do. When you run into friends and family, we lead with how's work going. We don't ask questions like, how's your recovery going? What are you doing to rediscover yourself, new ideas, new interests? How do you rejuvenate, stay fresh? How do you regenerate? Hello, it's Andrew May, and welcome to another episode of the Performance Intelligence Podcast, the podcast about all things human performance. One of the questions I find most difficult to answer is, so, Andrew, what do you do? The what do you do question, it plays an important part in our lives and in our identity. It is one of the first questions we ask or are asked at parties, at industry conferences, and at extended family gatherings. I have many different answers to this question, and it depends largely on the context of where and when I'm asked. My answers specific to work can include I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a CEO, I'm a mental skills coach, I'm an exercise physiologist, I'm an author, and I'm a podcaster. And specific to my life outside of work, I could answer with I'm an athlete, I'm a volunteer, I'm a father, I'm a family member, and I'm a friend. During three periods throughout the year, including February, early March, July and August, after the Australian financial year wraps up, and towards the wrap-up of the calendar year in October and November, the answer to that question is, I'm a keynote speaker. I present at conferences in Australia, and now we are back travelling, I present around the world, talking about all things human performance. And out of everything I do, keynote speaking is definitely one of my favourite activities. I get to work with great people and travel to great places. In a departure from our regular format and following several subscribers requesting an audio example of What Do I Do? The podcast this week is a live recording of a recent keynote I delivered for 200 plus employees at X15. X15 are the venture building outfit powered by Commonwealth Bank. And a big thank you to Toby and the X15 team for allowing me to share the generic audio from this presentation as we obviously deleted any industry or client specific content as that state in the room. And if you have an upcoming conference or company offsite, I'd love to chat, literally. So check out andrewmay.com slash keynotes for a range of presentations and conference experiences. And now on with the recent high performance reset keynote. I'm Toby, MD of X15, uh, incredibly excited to have you all here today. This is a, this is a huge day for X15. Look, no matter what your mindset coming in was, from sort of glowy to angry, um, you're going to finish today feeling great. You're going to get some uh, personal and professional hacks from a real expert in the game, Andrew May, on sort of how to perform in a really sustained and healthy uh, way for the year ahead. I'm actually going to let him introduce himself properly, but... Um, Andrew May uh, is going to give you some tips that I think are going to be the key to how we unlock this sort of performance, sustained performance. Uh, I, I know Andrew professionally, I know him personally, he's an absolutely fantastic dude. He has life experience moving between those worlds or those atmospheric layers of corporate and startup. So there's no one better placed, in my view, uh, to give us some tips. So welcome, Andrew. And thanks, Gus. Thanks, Toby. Good morning. 
Isn't it nice to be live? And good morning to the people who are dialing in virtually as well. This is called hybrid. Remember in the old days, it was just all live, then it went all online. So to give us a, a moment to warm into this new hybrid training, for those of you who are an introvert, let's ease into it. Just turn the person next to you and go, hi, just don't, don't overextend it. Hi. This is a good for me to judge the audience where you're at, and I can sort of pitch up or down. If you're an extrovert, turn to the person next to you, open your arms and say, thank God you're here, and uh, with permission. You might even give them a little squeeze, with permission. And uh, online, say hello. Todd's up the back, uh, my EA chatting. My job today is to talk to you about what I think is the most important thing in your world. Not the six fully owned businesses, the four businesses that X15 has invested in, but you, your body, your brain, and how you operate that over the next years to stay sustainable. And as Toby said, my background, I've danced between the corporate world and I used to be called an entrepreneur or self-employed. You add technology and, and a bit of funding and now I'm in the startup world as well. I, I think when you introduce yourself, it's a little bit like a cassette and we all go with our top hits or our A-side. So my A-side, we've got a number of logos. Uh, I was an entre or I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a bit of a nerd. I've studied exercise physiology, that's the body, coaching psychology. I have a master's in, that's the brain. Uh, I was a good athlete, not great, meaning good. I won multiple state championships, got a scholarship at the Institute of Sport, went down to Hobart, Tasmania. Uh, it was a wonderful experience. I had two goals as a middle distance runner. One was to go to the, the Olympics, Sydney 2000, and the second one was to break the four-minute mile, uh, and I did neither. So I got into consulting. True story. But I've learned a lot from studying the body and as an athlete myself. And then I work with a number of sporting teams, uh, New South Wales cricket team, the Australian cricket team, travelled the world with the Aussie cricket team. It was an amazing job. I also am now the mental skills coach for Parramatta. So the hats I wear is the CEO of Strive Stronger. We are a startup and we're helping people optimise wellbeing and, and digitising that. The second hat I wear is as a speaker, a coach, a trainer, the media work I do, which is helping individuals optimise human performance. The third hat I wear is with sporting teams around mental skills. So that, that's my background, just so you know, Toby didn't just meet me outside having a coffee. Uh, and this is what we're trying to do. So I, I love the stories of what you're all doing, because we're trying to digitise human wellbeing and performance. So we've got a whole digital platform that we're putting together. So we're putting a whole lot of assessments together to measure the performance of your body, your brain. But the hat I wear the most, or the, the hat I love wearing the most, is I'm father of four kids. I come to work to have a break. But I have to practice everything I'm going to be talking to you about today to optimise my body, my brain, the way I work to be productive. So when I go home, I'm present. Don't take this the wrong way, but when I go home, my kids don't give a stuff of who I've been working with, apart from when I work with the Navy, because my son Archie loves the Navy. So going home and transitioning to be present is a skill in itself. Anyone ever struggle with that? You go home, your partner, family, flatmate, friend says, how are you? You go, well, today at Doshi, we did this, we've got pipeline. No, no, I, I just asked how you are. Just say I'm okay. Yeah? So that's a skill set as well. Now, I've led with my top hits or the A side. It would be remiss of me to not talk about the B side. The millennials are there going, why don't you just use Spotify? Okay. <laughs> so when we had cassettes back in the old days, the B side had the hits that hadn't been released yet or the ones that weren't as popular. 
but you learn a lot about an artist from their B-side. And my B-side is, I've almost been bankrupt. Uh, founders know that. There's often a real fine line or precipice between getting the deal and, and going under. I had cancer 14 years ago. I, I paused because I think of how old is Michaela, my eldest daughter. And when she was born, I had a melanoma that was being treated. They were worried it had metastasized. I don't remember the first three months of Mickey's life because I was getting treatment, but you learn a lot about going through cancer. At that time, two days after I was diagnosed, my spiritual father, a beautiful man named Bruce Eaton, who was my massage therapist, but a whole lot more than that down in Hobart, Bruce had a melanoma on the opposite shoulder to mine, was half the size of mine. He died in October 2011. So when I went to say goodbye to Bruce, you know, I just thought the dice has rolled my way. Why did it not roll Bruce's way? And if anyone has been through a life-threatening experience, it changes you. Uh, the third part of me for the B-side is I went through a divorce nine, nine and a half years ago uh, from an Irish Catholic family. You know, you get married. My mum and dad have just celebrated 50 years of marriage, which I think is awesome. And I had this schema that, you know, I've built businesses, worked with the Australian cricket team. I do media. How could I not keep a marriage together? So I walked around functioning depressed for 18 months after the marriage, marriage failure, even those words, because... I thought everyone was judging me. We learn, I think, more from our B side than we do from our top hits. So to give you an opportunity to warm up, and those of you online, you can either chat to another buddy or just think to yourself, that just to the person next to you, uh, do you learn or have you learned more from your top hits or have you learned more from some of the challenges in life? Or if you don't want to talk about that, just tell them what you're going to have for lunch. <laughs> Okay, and those of you online, let me know in the chat room, have you learnt more from your A-side or have you learnt more from your B-side? We, we've been taught this myth, especially from Silicon Valley, more is more. I work 80, 90, 100 hours a week. That's the only way to get ahead as a startup. No, it's finding the sweet spot for you, but it's that balance between stress and recovery, and that's what I want to focus on today. Now, this slide, I think, is the money shot for you in the room, and if it's not, I've wasted two hours with my team yesterday putting this together. Because I was trying to think about my experience. So the first, well, I sold a few smaller businesses. It was just sort of fluked into it. The, the first business I'd sold of any note was I sold a company that's now called Executive Health Solutions, and I sold that to Accor, the hotel group. And when I got in there, I can remember walking into David Bafsky, and Mr. Bafsky, who was the chairman at Accor, called me into his office in William Street at the time, and he sat me down and he said, Andrew, I just want to let you know that I own you now. I said, but pardon? He said, oh, I slash we own your company now. We're changing the name. I know you're upset about that, but you've got to get over it. And my advice to you, young guy, is use the corporate structure we've got and stop wrestling with stuff you can't control, can't influence, and doesn't really make a difference. Founders will get this. Because I was thinking, you can't change my business name. You can't give it a different company. This is my, it's like my child. But it was a, a beautiful baptism of fire from Mr. Bavsky. And so I've put the slide up there to show how we dance between the two. So the upside of startup support, a lot of my friends in the startup community are spending an inordinate amount of time now securing funding. And if anyone's ever been there, it's bloody stressful. Because you've got one foot on the accelerator running the business, keeping your staff going, and then the other foot out the window going, oh my God, how do I make wages next week? This is real when you're in a non-supported startup. Funding and accelerator growth is the upside. Risk mitigation and governance. 
diverse decision making. You have a whole lot of different people with a whole lot of different eyes and ideas, so you avoid groupthink. You have more shared responsibility. There's an affiliation with a trusted brand, more doors open than ever did before, increased exposure and distribution. But here's the downside. Because when you've had a business and you've had freedom, and it's your business, it's like one of your children, and then suddenly you don't have all the control. And some days you feel like saying, screw you and your horse that you rode in on. You have produced equity or no equity, and there's dislocation in your team. You want to put Clara into 2IC, and suddenly Clara is told, no, she's going to go into a different role. There's added compliance and less agility, and sometimes you think, oh my God, I'm here, and all I do is process and all this stuff, and I didn't sign up for this. Well, it's part of being part of a big organisation. You don't make all the decisions, and you sometimes sit in a room and other people say stuff, and you have to smile and go, ha, <laughs> Just love, I just love listening to some of the voices in your heads right now. Loss of autonomy, it can be a slower moving beast. There is a diametrically opposing views, and the final one, it can be misaligned vision and goals. And why I've put the asterisks on those last two, great environments like you've got where you sit in between the both, you know, the startup and the entrepreneurial, go fast, X15, and the bigger, more stable structure, I think you've got the best of both worlds. And if you don't think like that, I encourage you to shift your mindset really quick because what you focus on grows. And where your energy goes, impact goes from that as well. If you focus on what is wrong, the changes, you can't really go back. Focus on the opportunity, the growth, the pipeline, the stability, the support. And I, I can tell you, as a startup with no external investment, I'm, I'm bootstrapping where I am at the moment. I've had you know, people sniff around, but we've got some goals that I want to hit before I even look at that. It's bloody hard. So make the most of the opportunities you've got and you will knock it out of the park. All right, I'm going to get into three things today to help you navigate the next 12 months and to be an even better version of you. Before I do that, though, check in with the person next to you. What do you think? Do you agree with that? Do you, do you think it's rubbish? Have a quick dialogue with the person next to you. And can we have some dialogue tunes? I don't even know what dialogue tunes are, but surprise me. So quick chat about that. What do you think? Let's uh, look at the three key messages. And for our peeps, can you say peeps, or does that make me sound like a homeboy? For our peeps online, Todd has just run a poll for you. We'll go through those questions in a moment. But we're going to look at three things today. Operating rhythm. Who in the room has ever had friends who have burnt out or been really close to burning out? Keep your hand up if that friend was you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to talk about the opposite of burnout, which is tapping into your beautiful natural operating rhythm and learning from big business on that. The second thing we're going to look at is this whole notion of recharge. I think in your space, you need to do lots of re, recharge, renew, recalibrate. We're going to spend some time reing. And the third thing, just like I do with Australia's best rugby league team, in my first iteration in performance was working with people and their bodies. So if I want to support your body to be fit, fast, flexible and strong, what do we do? Not a trick question. If you want your body to be fit, fast, flexible and strong, you train. If you want your brain to be fit, fast, flexible and strong, what do you do? You train mental skills. So that's the third thing we're going to go through today. Todd, uh, how do we go with that poll online? What's everybody saying? 
Yeah, Andrew, we've just launched a poll for the participants online, but we also ask that everybody here in the room consider the question. And the question is, do you consciously think about the impact your energy levels have on other people? We have one, yes, I model myself on the energizer buddy. Two, sometimes I recognize that my energy levels do go up and down. And three, never. I find it hard just to get out of bed each day. Number one, let's just do a show of hands and then Todd, give me an update what's happening online. Who models themselves on the Energizer Bunny? Who is energy personified? Great, look at you smiling. I can just tell you, as a speaker, we call people like you a lighthouse. Because, you know, sometimes you get someone up the front and I'm not looking at anyone because like, I think he's talking to me and you get someone and they go like this the whole time. This happened to me three weeks ago and I thought, God, I'm out of touch with live audiences. There's this guy sitting right here and he's frowned and scowled and I thought, God, he's having a miserable time. And he came up at the end and he said, oh, g'day, Andrew, Jack, that was really good. <laughs> Felt like saying, geez, Jack, I'd hate to see what you look like if it's bad. Number two, who finds their energy levels go up and down a little bit? Yeah. Uh, number three, uh, who is finding the person next to them is asleep? Just put their hand, <laughs> hand up for them. So, Todd, is that commensurate online? What's the percentage saying? It has 17% seven, have said yes, I model myself on the Energizer Bunny. 83% have said sometimes I recognise that my energy levels do go up and down and nobody finds it hard to get out of bed each day. Well, if they are, they're, they're not online. <laughs> uh, number one, let's talk about a sustainable operating rhythm. I love this quote. Life is a series of cycles, seasons, and rhythmic patterns. Rhythmicity is the most basic force of nature. This morning, depending on how late you stayed out last night, but the early morning people, the gazelles, would have woken up and gone, <sighs> and you would see the sun come up. The sun will go down. Tides rise, tides fall. It's this beautiful rhythmicity we have in life. You can't fight it. Fight it. We have a corporate rhythmicity. You have a physiological and a psychological rhythmicity, and we're going to tap into that. Right. Pop quiz. What are those people, and where are they at? Correct. That's the Sydney Harmonic Orchestra. Well done. You're a smart crowd. And when you have a band, which is an eclectic mix of people who all have individual skill sets, but imagine if everyone just played whenever they want to. But a conductor, and I used to think a conductor is a male or female up the front with a big paddle pop stick, just you know, doing all that stuff. But I've worked with some conductors, not bus conductors, musicians. They are highly intelligent, highly trained musicians, and they understand syncopation. They understand rhythm. It's exactly like running a business. Yeah, when you pull it all together, you have this beautiful symphony at the right time and the right pace. But music is also about pause and slowing down. So this is what we're going to try and get with your year quarter, month, week, and day. So to hit your operating rhythm, there's five things, but I'm going to bookend. We're going to go annual, what to do, and we're going to go daily. Tell the person next to you, behind you, in front of you, near you, tell them your annual recovery plan. Tell them what your holiday plan looks like for the next 12 months. Some of you will go, well, I can't wait. October school holidays, where you go, and some of you will just go, discuss, what's your holiday plan look like? All right, there's mine. I put my holiday plan together every year in January for the ensuing 12 months. I learned this from working with big businesses because you run on an operating cycle, which is 10 or 11 weeks, and then there's a two-week download. So 
11, 12 weeks, and then you have quarterly reporting cycles. The board has a meeting. Everyone works furiously at the end of the quarter to get updates and reports and everything, and you go on holidays, and then you do it again, and again and again. It's called four quarters in a season. Now, who in the room has children? Okay, a few up the back are not sure. You either do or you don't. <laughs> Tell me about operating with kids. You know, we go hard for 10 or 11 weeks in school term, and then you have a two-week holiday. It's exactly like the corporate four quarter operating cycle. And I encourage you to tap into this where you are right now because you will see a natural download in that two-week school holiday period, whether you have kids or not. I can also tell you if you don't plan for breaks, you'll get to the end of the year in December and you'll literally crawl across the line, fall in a heap, get sick over the Christmas January break, and then you come back to work and bring the best of you to everyone at work, uh, and I, I'm giving a book here because I've been watching you two. All right, what's going on? It's like, I think she's talking to you. <laughs> Do you have a friend of yours that really resonates with what I was just saying? Yeah, she, never she never takes leave. Why not? She's stubborn. She's stubborn. What, can you give that to her? Yeah. <laughs> and can you tell her a message from me? that I'd really like her to read Chapter 8, Recharge, and if she doesn't, can you get the book back off her? <laughs> yeah? I love when I see someone in the audience go, I think he's talking to me, so you're going to do that for your, your friend? And then you book holidays. Even if it's just one or two throughout the year, it could be a little mini break for three days. Get off your weapons of mass distraction. You don't need to be connected to your technology all the time. Your beautiful six ventures will still operate, so will the X15 leadership team, and I tell you what, so will Combank, because I know a number of your execs are on planes this morning and on the weekend going on a break with their kids. I learned this from CEOs, and I learned this from entrepreneurs who are sustainable. Work hard, recover even harder. All right, the second part I want to talk about is the bookend is number five, and I'm going to build a bit of rhythmicity into this to, to get you awake. Now, I, I call these energy personalities, but there's a whole study on this called chronobiology, which is the study of your circadian rhythm. So first of all, who are the morning people? You wake up at 5, 5.30 a.m., stand up for me. You're called gazelles. Look at them. Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> now, when you're here at Everly, I, I got here this morning, and I, I saw a few of you in the coffee shops, and you're doing stuff like this going... We're on the same wavelength. The sunrise, it was beautiful. Now, about 15 to 20% of the population, when you look at chronobiology, I, I just give it a name, gazelle, bears, tigers, or dolphins, so you remember this stuff, yeah? But about 15, let's say 15 to 20% are true morning people. You all go to bed early. When you have a conference, you do the phantom. Like, you run away at 9.30 because you want to wake up and see the sunrise the following day. <laughs> I, just, I just know how it works. <laughs> you are much more productive first thing of the morning. Yeah? In the 3.34 p.m. meeting, let alone if our little gazelles have to do a 7 p.m. presentation, it kills you. Now, what's been great about COVID is it's totally dislodged, disrupted this archaic world of work, which was 9 to 5, 8 to 6, came 7 to 7, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. My little gazelles, get your support from your leader, but two or three days a week, get up early, work early, knock the lights off, and then clock off in the afternoon, go have a life, sit down for me. 
You'll be 30% more productive when you work to your chronobiology. All right, who in the room thinks gazelles suck? <laughs> okay, stand up, stand up there, my bears, stand up. Now, you know I'm doing this uh, a little bit less enthusiastically, because bears are sitting there, or they're now standing there going, oh, piss off, mate. <laughs> so you are the kids, you're the gorgeous little boys and girls that mum and dad put you to bed and said goodnight, and you'd read a book with a torch. It's like, I just worked with thousands of people and also studied this. So you would love to get up later. If you have someone up the front says, right, tomorrow morning we've got boot camp at 6.30am, we've got Polly doing yoga and Mary's doing breathing, you're like, get stuffed. <laughs> so in an ideal, and this is just your chronobiology, this is how you work, and when you work to it, again, you're 30% more productive. In an ideal world, my bears, you would go you know, a little bit later, you'd wake up a bit later, you'd start work around 9.30, 10 o'clock, and you'd work into the early hours of the evening. Try and set yourself up on that, especially when you WFH. It's a game changer, right, sit down. Who's confused going, I'm a gazelle and I'm sort of like a bear, you're the tigers. Tigers, you're, you're okay of a morning, but you have your first peak concentration curve. So if you're designing, thinking, creating, knocking stuff out of the park, you're really good from mid-morning to about lunchtime. Then tigers, you fall off a cliff. After lunch, you are shot. <laughs> I'm a tiger sort of gazelle combination. I do lots of lunchtime talks. Thank you for booking me of a morning. Because yeah, I often get the lunchtime gig, and you know, Todd and I do the brief, and they'll say, oh, look, Andrew, uh, here's the thing, we want you to talk about energy or change or neuroscience, yeah, got it. Uh, do you talk after lunch? Yeah, I go, yeah, yeah, I do. So I have to shift my state, because imagine if I did speak after lunch, and I get up here and go, thanks for the intro, tr intro Toby. Maisie, bit of a tiger. Not really good after lunch. I'd never get booked again. So if a tiger has to do a pitch or a presentation after lunch, what do you do to be alert? That's legal. <laughs> what do you do? Coffee in moderation? What else? Sunlight. Sunlight hits your pineal gland. It's nature's little gift. It's a wonder drug. Every morning for 10 to 30 minutes, especially my little bears. Where are the bears? Just stay seated. Just sort of, just sort of go like that. Get 10 to 30 minutes of sunlight of a morning, all of you, but bears especially. Stand outside before the peak hours of the sun. No sunglasses, no hat. Let the sun come on your skin. I've got more than some of you. And it will wake up your physiology, yeah. much more than coffee will. Tigers, after you have that lunchtime dip, around three o'clock, it's, ah, I'm back. So you have a second peak of an afternoon. So when you can control this, if you've got to create design, do high-end cognitive work, which is what you do in the startup world, late morning, early afternoon, early evening is really good for you. Great, grab a seat. Now there's a bunch of people there, small micro percent, dolphins. Dolphins sleep with half the brain awake and half the sleep. Dolphins, you are the insomniacs. Where are my dolphins? Just go, ah, ah. <laughs> There should be in the room two or three. Yeah, yeah, about four, five. You are the forgotten children when we look at chronobiology. Yeah? Um, I'll put some resources together on how you tap into your biorhythm. But while we have a bit of fun around this, there's a real science to this. When I work with a whole team or an executive team, 
or an intact team, or even just individuals, when you operate to your natural rhythm, you're 30% more efficient. Who'd like to be 30% more efficient? I have no choice running two businesses and four kids. I have to squeeze this out of myself and my staff. So I can put my hand on my heart and say this absolutely works. And if you're not doing it, you're doing yourself a disservice. No, no one else, you're doing yourself a disservice. I love the word re. I also love a bit of Jack Johnson. Who doesn't love Jack Johnson? So every day when the sun comes up, we work. It's what we do. When you run into friends and family, we lead with how's work going. We don't ask questions like, how's your recovery going? Are you refueling? Are you reviving? What are you doing to rediscover yourself, new ideas, new interests? How do you rejuvenate, stay fresh? How do you regenerate? What do you do to relax, refresh? This goes for 15 minutes. Rediscover, I got every reword. <laughs> so now, gosh, over two decades now, I've been working with elite athletes. Uh, I also work with the New South Wales women's netball team and the Sydney Swifts, so male, female athletes. I actually prefer working with the women much more than the men. Um, main reason is they, they listen more and they've got less attitude and ego. But my whole job around high performance with athletes is getting the balance right between stress and recovery. And when I transitioned from the sporting fields to the corporate world, I heard a lot of corporates go, oh, Andrew, stress is bad. I'm so stressed. We're all stressed. I'm like, stress is freaking awesome. Stress gets you out of bed. Stress is what makes you put on pants. Especially now we're back in the office. You need to do that. <laughs> Otherwise, you have an appointment with your new head of HR. <laughs> stress fuels businesses. Stress leads to creativity. Stress leads to fun. So can I just re-author what a lot of us have been taught about stress? Stress is only bad when you have a lack of recovery. So what I've done in sport is spent my time stressing athletes, first as a strength and conditioning coach, now stressing their brains with mental skills and neuroplasticity. The two are totally combined, by the way. You're not a head on a stick. It's body, brain, brain, body. But what I've also done a lot of is specialised in the re, in the recovery. And then when I entered your world, corporate world, I'd say, what do you do to recover? Huh? How did you get this guy? Was there any due diligence process? He doesn't understand us. We just work. We're startups. We're taking on the world. No, because I've seen a lot of collateral damage. And I've coached some founders, still do coach a couple of founders of some big companies you'd know, but in, in, in the background. And I know when you get the balance right between stress and recovery, it's beautiful because you're sustainable and you have decades of experience, not just two or three years and then you burn out. Uh, what we've also got to navigate, it's really interesting, the millennials grew up with this. Who's of my vintage? I'm late 40s, holding on. I'm going to be late 40s for the next 10 years. <laughs> but, but now we've got social media. So when you say to people, like back in 1993, who wasn't born in 1993? Oh, God love you. Look at them. Can, if anyone's got their hand up next to you, put your hands up. Give them a blanket and a cup of milk. Okay? It's, it's nap time. But in 1993, we all had one inbox. Who remembers that? Who's of my vintage? So you had one inbox, which was your letterbox. And then in 1993, in Australia, that's where we first had internet. 
the kids born in 1993 are going, are you dinosaur? Yeah. My kids say this, like Archie especially. Dad, in the old days, when it was black and white, what was it like? And I go, well, that's true, mate. It became colour in 1975. <laughs> really? No, you dumb shit. Don't tease your dad. <laughs> I made that second bit up. But we've now got multiple inboxes. So I look at that. I've got a website. There's LinkedIn. There's Twitter. Uh, don't mix Twitter and Tinder. I was emceeing an event just before COVID. Had three CEOs of top 50 ASX companies. The guy in the middle said, yes, my PR group got me onto social media, Andrew. I'm on Tinder. <laughs> I've got a live audience. I'm emceeing. And I'm trying to sort of hold this. I went, Tinder? I, I know his wife. I said, are you sure it's Tinder? He said, yeah, yeah, you know, the little blue bird. It's Twitter, really different. CEO of large publicly listed companies seeking the name. Uh, we've got Instagram, Facebook, we have YouTube, we have podcast, all the fitness enthusiasts are on Strava. Then you have, it's just an overload, isn't it, of inboxes and you can spend all of your time toggling and tweeting from one thing to the next to the next. Uh, the stats around this on founder health and well-being. I've dug stats on each of the three areas. Yeah, I've dug it on operating rhythm, I've dug it on recovery, and I've dug it on mindset. Many founders or people in startup communities don't get enough sleep. 43% are unhappy with their fitness levels, and I hear when I, when I get through the next two months to product launch on May 17. It's about a third of the room have just looked at me. When I get the kids started school, when I, when I never comes. Yeah, you've got to build this in as part of your day-to-day -day ritual and rhythm. You've got one beautiful body, one beautiful brain. Use it, don't abuse it. 88% believe physical well-being definitely impacts business success. But when we get really busy, our brain is really good at making excuses. And it normally starts with a prefix T-double-O. Help me out. What do your friends say? Look, Andrew, I get all this, but I am too busy to exercise. I am too tired. The weather is too... The weather's too confused. <laughs> it's El Nina. There's always an excuse, isn't there? Or it's too hot. It's too hilly. It's too flat. There's too many bullshit excuses why we put off looking after the vessel that you've been given, the gift of your body. So that's all the stats backing this up. What do we do about this? I still thought about what can we really build in for you to bring this to life? It's called micro recovery breaks. Because if I'm up here and I've gone, all right, go big, have an annual recovery plan, lock in holidays. Is everyone happy with doing that? Yeah. But then if I started saying, do yoga, do this every week, do, oh, God, get rid of this guy. So I've gone big, just lock in holidays, I'm going little. A micro recovery break is a small break for 20 seconds to a couple of minutes and I want you doing that multiple times during the day. And the physiology on this is you get psychological detachment. So for all the neuroscience nerds, when you do a micro recovery break, your brain goes from beta. You should be in beta now. That's when your brain is working, you're thinking, you're connecting, you're being stretched but we want to go alpha, which is that subconscious pattern where you come up with your best ideas. I come up with my best business ideas. I use the metaphor, it's the five, or alliteration, the five Bs. When I'm reading a book, I'm in a bath, I'm on a beach, I'm riding a bike, or I'm sitting on a bus. Yeah? Because I'm switching off my conscious brain and subconscious thought patterns or alpha brainwaves are allowed to come through. The other thing we need to do as well is we get that uh, parasympathetic activation. So you switch off the body and brain and you do this multiple times during the day. That is not 
a micro recovery break. <laughs> oh, you don't understand, Andrew. We are so busy with product rollout and navigating that spot, the grey area Toby spoke about between startup and large corporate, especially working from home, it was back-to-back -back meeting after meeting after meeting. I've had a bloody big day. I need a beer or a wine. A beer becomes a six-pack, a wine becomes a bottle. And that does the opposite of psychological detachment and parasympathetic activation. So I looked into sport. Oh, one of my sporting heroes, Love Ash, waiting for her to win the world golfing tournament. But in tennis, they bounce the ball. There's 20 seconds in between games in tennis. It's a micro-recovery break, because some games go for five hours. Cricketers try and flatten the pitch. I felt like saying to my cricketers, you're idiots, because there's three-ton rollers that flatten the pitch. <laughs> Your bat does nothing. Netballers will pivot before they shoot a goal. They slow down, pivot, and then shoot the goal. These are all micro-recovery breaks. And my NRL players, um, it's called a scrum, where there's a natural pause point before I, an increased intensity as well after that. But what do you do in your world? You just go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, and you have no breaks, no downtime. So I need you to start building this in. Now, I don't want you walking around your different enterprises, bouncing a ball, and someone says, what are you doing? Micro-recovery break. Well, you're feeding a scrum, all right, let's, let's go. No, that's just a sporting metaphor. I want you to think about what can you do in between meetings. And this is invaluable when you have to think at a high level. Because when you go, especially the higher you go up in leadership, the more performance moments you have in a day. Right? When you start in an organisation, you might have one or two key performance moments. When you run it, you have 10 to 15. And if you stuff one of them up, you're on the front page of every broadsheet and the AFR. So you have to transition, transition, transition. It's a bit like that show that used to be on Channel 7, Thank God You're Here. Do you know that show? And they rock in there, as hell, uh, hosted by Shane Bourne. So you come in, normally comedians, and they'll rock into a room and you've got two seconds to work out, what is it? I'm flying an aeroplane, I'm a baker, I'm an artisan bread maker. And then the comedian acts. When you don't have micro recovery breaks, we play Thank God You're Here in multiple meetings throughout the day. Who's seen this in action? Sarah, can you please go through the report? Oh, look, I'm, I'm just having, if you're online, it's good, because you know, I'm just having a problem pulling that up. But if you're in a room face-to-face, -face, you can't hide. And when you don't have micro-recovery breaks, your brain gets what's called synaptic overload. The axons and dendrites are firing too much. Okay, for the bears, who haven't woken up yet, that's called a brain fart. You know, your, your brain's just not working properly. So micro-recovery breaks help you be present for the big moments during the day. And if I can summarise this, you have spent years perfecting the art of upregulation. And that's good, because, you know, stress is great. I want you to stress yourselves. I want you to turn on. I want beta brainwaves. I want you to exercise. I want you to get your heart rate up. I want you to go hard, use heat. Saunas are awesome. You all should be having sauna, unless you have a diagnosed heart condition, but saunas are wonderful been using them in Nordic uh, countries for, th for thousands, 50 years of long-term research. Breathe, have connection. So that's all the stuff we live on in your world. But if you only upregulate, you're going to come and see me in six months, six years, burnt out. And I want to shut the burnout part of our clinic that I do with Dr. Tom Buckley, because I love working with high performers who are sustaining rather than falling. So the downregulation is the parasympathetic, it's the recovery. It's sometimes seen as a weakness, 
but the work that I've been blessed to do with the military, and some of the stuff I've done with KPMG, I can't tell you what I've done. It's the pointy end. Love it. But I can tell you our top men and women soldiers have a motto which is slow down in order to speed up. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful rule for us in business. Quick check-in with your BFF, best friend forever, for the next 10 minutes. Go to the left side, go to up, so go to down-regulate. What's something there that you either do, so to the right side, What's something you do regularly or what's something you're going to start doing to be more sustainable? And just as a frame on this, I'm not saying, slow down, everyone, you're going to burn out. No rubbish. Speed up. Go hard. This is why I love this. Life is an extreme sport. You should play. You should work like it is an extreme sport. You dance, sing, go hard, but periodically slow down. Get the dance right between the two. Can we have some reflection music? And with your BFF, tell them, what do you do to downregulate or what are you going to do? Number three, we're going to do some reps and sets. We've spoken about this before. To get your body fit, fast, flexible and strong, you train the body. To get your brain fit, fast, flexible and strong, we do mental skills. And this is the beautiful symphony we have in our brains of axons and dendrites. Your brains have been doing this all day. Even if you don't feel alert and energised, your brain is still working subconsciously. I just want to pick out one of these skills, and I love this as a metaphor. Uh, when you've got your mobile phone, I see a lot of you have iPhones, there's a few Androids, same process. Periodically, you have to do an iOS, or Apple calls an iOS upgrade, and you need three things for an iOS upgrade. You need time, energy, You've got to plug your phone into power, and it needs an attentive focus. Time, it takes overnight. Energy, it needs to be plugged in, and it needs an attentive focus. Everything else is shut off. Let's use that for you around mental skills. To train mental skills, you need time, energy, and attention. It's exactly why I've set the presentation up the way I have. Get your operating rhythm, get the big rocks in place, build in some re, then you'll be able to go to that next level in mental skills. Does that make sense as a process? Even if it doesn't, just sort of nod because it's good for my self-efficacy. So for the founder mindset, the big point I want to talk out on that is decision fatigue. When you're tired, we make dumb decisions. Yeah, if you look at Exxon Valdez, you look at a number of space disasters, it's all happened because of human fatigue. And this has a real cost in the startup world as well. Uh, and also we know founders and teams, because you can get this by cross-pollination, growth mindset is one of the key principles to keep learning, stretching, growing, challenging. It's, it's a wonderful principle for your personal life and your professional life. We have what's called a mental skills academy. We have 12 essential mental skills. So we're just going to pick one. But this is the sort of stuff we do just to show you the sort of framework. This is the other part of my job. That is loud. It's good. When you have people running at you for 80 minutes trying to hurt, maim and dislodge you, you need to be really present. When you're working for 50 plus hours a week, you can have a few moments where you're not really concentrating. So elite sport I love because it's high stakes high pressure and high consequences. But we can transport a lot of these skills into the startup world. So the one I've circled for today specifically is this one on optimism. 
And as we do head into some headwinds, and you see the credit market drying up with bonds market, it's the biggest sell-off that they've had in the last 30-odd years, or was it since 87? More than 30 years, geez, it's a long time. So there are some challenges coming. You look at the, the, the price in a lot of the tech stocks, uh, whoever would have thought Netflix is going to be down 70 plus percent, all the darlings. So there are some headwinds, but with headwinds there's opportunities, but you need to maintain an optimistic focus. You can totally train optimism, totally train optimism. It's not, you know, click your heels and go to Kansas, Dorothy. But optimism is an expectation that good things will happen and that things will work out in the end. Go way back to the very start, and I did that slide. You know, what are the benefits of being in a startup community that's got big governance structure and, and financial support? And what are the challenges? What you focus on grows. When you buy a new car and you're driving in here to Everly or based in Melbourne or wherever you are, around this beautiful nation, and someone pulls up next to you in the same car, you notice it. Why? Because your brain has this process called a reticular activating system. And then you see a, a male or a female in a car next to you, same car, and you look at them and you go... <laughs> and, and subconsciously, you say, Nick, nice wheels. You can even have the shittiest car, but you have the nice wheel acknowledgement in the shittiest car. It's called reticular, acti reticular activating system. What you focus on grows. If you focus on what's wrong, guess what? It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you focus on op opportunity and what's right, it also becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, there's a little bit more science to this, but just wrapping up, I just want to imprint upon you the three principles I've spoken about today consciously. Number one, you are all going to lock in your annual holiday plan. Just look at me and nod. Seriously, nodding, there is much more likelihood that you will do this. The second thing is you are going to embrace the re, recharge, renew, rejoice. Just go woohoo. Five of you. <laughs> and I do want you to be optimistic and just know that you can totally train optimism. Even if you come from a pessimistic family, 50% of attributional style is inherited. The other 50% is learned or trained. So sometimes people present, Andrew, I'm from third generation pessimist. Okay, well, we can work on 50%. Okay? You, you are not at a default, and there's loads of stories and loads of research around this. But the research is unanimous. Why? Optimists live longer, make more money, have better relationships, and just have a much better experience in life. All right? Quickly, with the person next to you, I want you to lock in one key principle from today that I've spoken about. What is one thing you are categorically, emphatically going to do? Turn to the person now and tell them, I am gonna... And everyone stand up for me. We're going to finish with this quote. If in doubt, go to Dr. Zeus, child psychiatrist before he was a global best-selling author. After three, can you repeat the words on this slide? One, two, three. If you feel like it, turn to the person next to you and just go, woohoo. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks very much. Thank you, Andrew. That was fantastic. I mean, 
this year, for the first time, I've got a really clear plan for the year of like what holidays I'm taking. It's made a huge difference. That idea of stress not just being sort of either A, ever-present, and B, an ever-present problem, but actually something to play with up and down. So, yeah, um, thank you, Andrew. I think there's a lot for all of us to take away. Hi again, it's Andrew, and I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We would appreciate if you helped to amplify the Performance Intelligence Podcast by sharing episodes with your friends and with your colleagues by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help get the message out to a wider audience, and I love reading the comments as well. If you'd like to know more about booking me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite, or purchasing one of the books I've written, including MatchFit, or if you'd just like to receive my monthly e-newsletter, which is called the AM Edition, that has stacks of information specific to all things human performance, go to andrewmay.com and we'll see you on the next edition of Performance Intelligence. Performance Intelligence.